From Kindred Church, your inclusive church family. This podcast is a collection of sermons from our weekly worship services in Durham, North Carolina. Whatever your background is, wherever you are on your faith journey, we hope this message helps you take your next steps in response to God's unconditional love. Well, hello, hello. Welcome to Kindred Church. It's so good to be with you if we've not met before. My name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here. And if this is your very first time to tune in with us at Kindred, uh, thanks so much for checking us out. We are especially glad that you are here. Uh, real fast, before we get to the scripture and sermon, there's one, uh, one thing I want to make sure is on your radar. Uh, two weeks from today, that is May the 28th, uh, we will not be having in-person worship at Kindred. Uh, instead, we're going to join our mother church for worship that morning. Uh, University United Methodist Church is Kindred's mother church. We don't often get together for worship in person throughout the year, but we're taking advantage of Memorial Day weekend as an opportunity to do that. Uh, So we hope that you'll join us. University United Methodist in downtown Chapel Hill. They worship at 1030. Uh, If you can't make it in person, you can tune in online through University UMC YouTube page. But whether in person or online, we hope that you will join us for worship uh, that day. We look forward to it. All right, our scripture for this morning comes from John in the New Testament. We're looking at John chapter 13, and uh, this is verses 34 and 35. It says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I give you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, so also you must love each other. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples when you love each other. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, back when I was about seven years old or so, this was back in the the mid-90s, this this movie came out called Space Jam. Some of you may remember Space Jam. If you're not familiar, the the plot basically in a nutshell is this. Uh, Michael Jordan, the great basketball player, he teams up with Bugs Bunny and a bunch of other Looney Tunes cartoons, and together they play this basketball game that ends up saving the entire planet from aliens. Uh, That may sound absurd to you, but in the mind of a seven-year-old boy back in the mid-90s, this made perfect sense, and and it was the coolest movie I have ever seen. And as soon as I saw Space Jam, immediately I knew what I wanted to do with my life, not to save the world from aliens. That seemed a little far-fetched. I had the more modest goal of following in Michael Jordan's footsteps and becoming the greatest basketball player in the world. Uh, As you can see, I've fallen a bit short of that particular goal. Uh, It turns out if you want to be the best basketball player in the world, uh, you can't be five foot ten and bad at basketball. Who knew? Uh, But the point is that when I wanted to be the greatest basketball player in the world, it wasn't just because I loved playing basketball, although that was certainly true, uh, but honestly, I wanted the glory. I wanted the, the fame. I wanted to one day maybe star in my own movie with Bugs Bunny. It wasn't just that I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to be known for playing basketball. <clears throat> I bet... Um, 
If you think about it, you probably went through a similar phase in your own childhood where you wanted to be a famous athlete or a rock star or a movie star or for you nerdy types, maybe you wanted to be a famous astronaut or, or something like that. It's a common thing that I think we, we dream about when we're children. And of course, as we get older, our ambitions become a little more realistic. You know, at a certain point, I had to accept I'm probably not going to be the next Michael Jordan. Uh, and then a little later, I had to accept I'm probably not going to be world famous for anything. Uh, but, but nevertheless, <clears throat> even as, as we move into adulthood, I think many of us, if not most of us, we, we still have that basic desire to be known for something. Maybe not world famous, but at least among the people around us, there's, there's something that we want to be known for. And I wonder for you, what do you want to be known for? in this season of your life, when the people around you think about you, what do you want them to think? How do you want people to, to see you? For some of us, uh, we, we want to be known for being successful, right? Successful at our career or successful at school or successful in our home life as a mom, as a dad. We, we want to be known in these different arenas as a, a high achiever. Or for others of us, you know, we want to be known for our intelligence. We want people to, to think of us as being smart. We want people to come to us when they need knowledge, when they need wisdom. Or for others of us, we want to be known for being attractive. We want to be known as good looking or, or stylish. Others of us want to be known for being useful. Shout out to you Enneagram 2s. You want to be the one that everybody runs to as soon as they need help with anything, right? Or maybe we want to be known for being hardworking, that we're not the most talented and we're okay with that, but everybody's going to know we're going to outwork everybody else. I don't know what it is for you, but most of us have something, at least one thing that we want to be known for. Well, the reason I wanted to get us thinking in this direction today is because here in John chapter 13, uh, Jesus is actually telling us what Jesus wants us to be known for. So let's spend a few minutes exploring this together. Uh, this passage takes place during the Last Supper. And many of you know this, but the, the Last Supper is, of course, the final meal that Jesus shared with his disciples in the hours before his arrest and his crucifixion. And Jesus, at this point, knows that time is running out, that he's not going to be physically present with his disciples for much longer. And so Jesus takes advantage of this opportunity to impress upon the disciples the most important things that he wants them to remember when he's gone. And as we see here, one of the most important things that Jesus wants to impress upon them is, is what he wants the disciples to be known for. And it turns out Jesus actually doesn't want his followers to be known for being successful. Jesus doesn't want his followers to be known for being intelligent. Jesus doesn't want his followers to be known for being attractive or even useful or hardworking. Jesus calls us to something different. If you've been with us in recent weeks, you know we've been in this sermon series called Different. We're, we're wrapping up this series today, but we've been looking at all of these ways that Jesus calls us to be different from people around us, to be different from the world. And, and I think what we're talking about today, this may be the most different thing that we've talked about thus far. About halfway through the Last Supper, <clears throat> Jesus leans in. To the disciples. He leans in so that he knows that they will be listening to him because this is important. 
And Jesus says to them, I give you a new commandment. And I imagine some of the disciples probably rolled their eyes like, Jesus, we already have a ton of commandments. Why do we need a new one? And Jesus says, no, 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 no. I'm giving you a, a new commandment. This is not just another one. This is like the commandment above all the other commandments. Jesus says, love one another. Love each other. And that sounds really simple and that sounds really straightforward. Um, but Jesus, when he says love here, he's not just talking about any old kind of, of love. You know, we, we throw around that word a lot in our society, right? I mean, we'll say things like, I love sweet tea or I love going to the beach or I love true crime podcasts. And, and all of that is fine, of course, but that's not the kind of love that Jesus is, is talking about here. So he explains, he says, just as I have loved you, so also you must love each other. Jesus is saying, I don't want you guys to love each other the way that you love a true crime podcast. I want you to love each other the way that I have loved you. And then watch, Jesus takes it one step further. He goes, this is how everyone will know that you are my disciples when you love each other. Jesus is saying, this is the thing that I want you to be known for. I want you to be known for loving each other the way that I have loved you. And that kind of begs the question, doesn't it? Of, well, okay, how does Jesus love us exactly? If we're supposed to embody this, this distinctive kind of love, what is this, this Christ-like love that Jesus is referring to here? Well, in the, in the hours that followed this meal, the disciples would watch Jesus lay down his life and they would come to this whole new understanding of the shape of Jesus's love. But for our purposes this morning, I just want to highlight three distinctive characteristics of Jesus' love. And this will be review for a lot of you, I'm sure. But for some of you, you may be hearing this for the very first time. So I don't want you to miss it. And, and all of us, we need to be reminded of this over and over again so that we can embody this kind of love in our lives. How does Jesus love you? Well, number one, Jesus loves you generously. Generously. You know, Jesus didn't have to come into this world. Jesus didn't have to, to take on a human body that was capable of suffering and struggle and, and pain and death. But Jesus did it. Jesus entered into the, the brokenness of this world. The Apostle Paul tells us Jesus poured himself out. Jesus emptied himself and came into this world in the form of a servant. And why did Jesus do that? It's because Jesus wants you to know that, that he is always with you, that he is always right by your side. Jesus loves you generously. That's number one. Number two, Jesus loves you sacrificially. Sacrificially, the, the way that Jesus loves you, it cost Jesus something. It was so costly, in fact, it cost Jesus his own life. But when Jesus goes to the cross, when Jesus lays down his life, he, he's overcoming all the forces of evil and sin and death in this world so that no matter what, you will always know that God will make a way for you. Jesus lays down his life so that you can be free of guilt and of shame, so that you can be free to find hope in any situation that you ever face. It was costly, but Jesus did it anyways. Jesus loves you sacrificially. That's number two. Number three, Jesus loves you graciously. Jesus loves you 
graciously. Grace is this biblical, theological kind of word. What does it mean? It means that Jesus loves you even when you're not being very lovable. And if you don't think there are times when you're not very lovable, ask your best friend, ask your family members, right? Sometimes you're not very lovable and and I'm not either. But in those moments when we're resisting Jesus or even rebelling against Jesus's calling or, or his love, Jesus doesn't turn his back on us. Jesus doesn't walk away, but Jesus stays committed to us. We, we call that grace. You see, J- Jesus doesn't love you the way that we love going to the beach. No, Jesus loves you generously and sacrificially, and Jesus loves you graciously. And you see here in this passage at the Last Supper, Jesus says, hey, That kind of love, my kind of love, that's what I want you to be known for in this world. This is how everyone will know that you are my disciples when you love each other. So think about this. Out of all of the things that we could be known for, why does Jesus prioritize this? Why does Jesus single out this this Christ-like love as the the number one thing? I was reflecting on that this week and and it kind of hit me. Uh, you know, who is the person in your life that has had the greatest positive impact on you? If you had to pick just one person or, or maybe just a small group of people that have changed the course of your life for the better or that has set you up to, to pursue a positive direction in, in your life in some way, who's that person or that small group? could be your mom, your dad, uh, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle that uh, they, they nurtured you and they supported you and they helped you to have the basic life skills that you would need to, to navigate life. I had very supportive parents and, and I'm so grateful for that. I know some of you uh, ha- have had supportive parents as well. Uh, for others of you, it, it may be a teacher that just took you in at a very young age. Maybe they saw something in you that you didn't see in yourself. And so they, they poured themselves into you and they encouraged you and they gave you direction at a crucial time in your life. For others of you, it could be a mentor that you've had, that early in your career, there was somebody older or somebody more experienced and they took you under their wing and they showed you the ropes and they set you up to be able to have the, the kind of professional success that you've had. For others of you, it could be a coach maybe that you had in your youth and they taught you perseverance and grit and hard work and that's helped you to overcome different obstacles that you faced in your life. Or for others of you, it could be a pastor or somebody you've known in church that, that helped you to truly know the love of God and to truly understand your calling in this life. I don't know who it is for you, but I bet as you think about that influential person, They may not be the most successful person you've ever met, at least not by the world's standards. They may not be the most intelligent or the best looking or even the most useful or or hardworking person you've ever met. But as you think about that person, I bet what's true is that they embodied Christ-like love for you, right? In all kinds of different ways. Whether they realized it or not, they, they showed you the love of Jesus, that they loved you generously. They didn't have to. They didn't have to do what they did for you, but they did it anyways to show you that they cared about you, to show you that they were on your side. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I bet as you think about it, that person in your life, they, they loved you sacrificially, didn't they? That, that their support of you cost them something. It cost them at the very least their time, their energy, but in many cases for us, it, it cost that person significant amounts of money as well. It was costly, but they did it anyways because they, they loved you. 
Um, I bet as you think about it, that person also loved you graciously, didn't they? That at times you weren't the easiest person to help or to mentor or to coach. At times you resisted and the easy thing would have been for that person to abandon you and walk away and do something else, but they didn't. They stayed committed to you. That the most influential people in our lives are the people who have embodied Christ-like love for us, right? And I think that's why Jesus says to us here, hey, be known for that. Put that at the center of your life. Strive to be known for that because more than success or good looks or intelligence or usefulness or even hard work, more than any of that, the, the, the Christ-like love, this has the power to change lives. We've seen it. We've experienced it. <coughs> Excuse me. And this has the power to change the world as well. That this is how everyone will know that you are my disciples when you love each other, Jesus says. Let me, let me wrap up here with one challenging final question for you. Um, is Jesus right now, is Jesus at the center of your life? Is this Christ-like love the thing that you're striving to be known for? I know that for myself, and, and I'm guessing for many of you as well, these other things creep in right? Whether it's success or smarts or good looks, these other things creep in and they, they become the center of our life, the thing that we want to be defined by. And when that happens, those things take the place of Jesus and they push Jesus out. And then suddenly Jesus isn't at the center anymore. Jesus is a side thing in our lives. We've got something else that's the main thing. Jesus is the side thing. And the, the love of Christ then becomes a side thing. And Jesus did not come into this world and live and die and rise again to be the side thing. Jesus didn't pour out his generous, sacrificial, gracious love to be a side thing in our lives. And so I want to encourage you this week, be thinking and be praying about, is Jesus at the center of my life? And if not, what would it look like in a practical way? What would it look like to put Jesus back at the center of your life, or maybe for some of you to, to actually put Jesus at the center of your life for the very first time. Because I'm, I'm here to tell you, you need Jesus to be the center of your life, and I need Jesus to be the center of my life as well. And it's not just about us, it's about the world. The world needs to see Jesus at the center of our lives. Because if we don't demonstrate this Christ-like love to the world, the world may not see it at all. Because when Jesus is at the center of our lives, we can embody this kind of Christ-like love. And that love is so powerful. As we've experienced ourselves, it has the power to change lives and it has the power to change the world. Let me pray for us. Oh God of love, we are so thankful to you for who you are. Are. God, we know that you don't just love us, but you are love. And we're so thankful that in Jesus, you've come among us to show us, to embody for us what it looks like, what that love looks like, God. Uh, so often, Lord, we confess that we get all wrapped up in being known for all these different kinds of worldly things. And we think that that's the way that we you know just need to be known for our successes or our looks or our intelligence or whatever it it might be, God. And we confess to you that that when we do that, we we often sideline Jesus and, and we fail 
in our calling to embody this, this sense of Christ-like love. God, uh, forgive us for that. Transform us by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, so that we could put Jesus back at the center. Uh, help us to, to put Christ-like love in the middle of our lives as that thing we're striving to be known for, that we would have the kind of positive impact on others that people who have shown us Christ-like love have, have had on us by, by being generous, by being sacrificial, by being gracious, Lord. We know that we need this. We know that the world around us desperately, desperately needs this as well. So we pray that you would help us to rise to this challenge. God, throughout this sermon series, we've seen in so many different ways that you call us to be different, that you call us to leave normal life behind so that we can pursue a better way, the way that you have set before us, God. Help us to do that. Give us the wisdom to know the truth. Give us the strength and the courage to do the right thing. God, give us the clarity to know what is that next step that you're calling us to take in our faith journey right here and right now. God, thank you for your patience with us, for your love for us, for your guidance. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, friends, thank you again for worshiping with us today. Just a couple quick things here for us. Uh, if you're new to Kindred, we would love to see you in in-person worship. You can go to our website. It's kindrednc.church and uh, get all the information about that. Also, if you're new, I would love to connect with you. And the best way to do that is just um, click the connect link that you see in the video description or the podcast description here. Uh, I'll reach out to you later this week. I look forward to saying, hey, uh, finally, be sure to click the announcements link that you see in the description. That'll take you to this week's newsletter. And that's the best way to stay up to speed on the different ways that we've got for you to get engaged, stay engaged, and keep growing with your faith uh, with us here at Kindred Church. And so with that, friends, remember that we love you and we hope you have a great week and may the peace of Christ be with you. Thanks for tuning in. If this message was meaningful to you, consider sharing it with a friend who might also find it meaningful. To support this ministry, to get involved with Kindred Church, or to learn more about us, check out our website, kindrednc.church. We hope you have a great week.